Welcome to the Gone Trippin' Podcast. I'm Ren. And I'm Ashley. And we're your hosts for today's podcast. Expect some tangents. You're along for the ride as we interview valued people in the travel industry. From photographers to vagabonds and everything in between. Let us help you make every trip an adventure. Reading the road signs, gone trippin'. One playlist at a time. Gone trippin', odometer's tickin'. My Mountain Dew and Rebel sippin'. I'm a road warrior on a mission You won't find me just sitting home wishing Cause I am gone tripping This episode is brought to you by Audible. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of coast-to-coast AM radio. I love hearing the conspiracy theories, people calling in to talk about their alien encounters. But sometimes it's hard to find in the middle of nowhere on a long drive. So, I found a perfect book to listen to as I'm driving. It's called The 37th Parallel by Ben Mesrick. This book is like a real-life X-Files. It follows the true story of a computer programmer who tracks paranormal events along a 3,000-mile stretch and is drawn deeper and deeper into a vast conspiracy. This is the perfect book to listen to as you drive through Utah, Colorado, Kansas, the I-70 corridor. Go to our website... Click the Audible link and get two free audiobooks when you start your 30-day free trial. It's that time. Drink of the day. Because every road trip starts with a drink. So it's time for me to redeem myself from the last time I picked drink of the day. <coughs> last time I picked a sparkling water. Dasani. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> We've already rehashed it. We already know okay, how you feel sorry. about it. So <laughs> this week I'm trying to... Uh, redeem myself okay and there's a story behind why i chose it as well well he started out good it's a it's a bottle um and it's like an old time soda so you know how i like old time sodas so, so that that's the only difference as long as even sparkling water can be good as long no, as it comes in an old time no, bottle no was, i mean this looks legit and it's you know real sugar it's always good okay well this is ramblin rose cream soda okay so i think i want you to taste it before i tell you why i picked it okay can do that if you could open it this here i'm gonna grab my handy bottle opener that i have right here this one might actually need a bottle opener it looks like nope it says twist off <laughs> you did i won with the bottle opener yeah i'm gonna need your bottle opener holy hannah this one's on tight looks like it's gonna burst oh interesting Whoa. Yeah. oh i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> that was the weirdest thing i've ever tasted in my life the it's it goes like one extreme to another extreme back and forth. it's like sweet and then not sweet and then wow interesting where is this, this from this is definitely something that you have to try it's an orco beverage in washington state mm-hmm. monarch beverage company let's see mukilio mukiteo washington what's in it fruit juice pure cane sugar and then the regular stuff well, folks, this is one you're going to have to try for real. juice, huh? Yeah, this is insane it's, in the membrane. It's not my favorite, but I would definitely try it again. But it's almost like one of those drinks you'd have to drink something after yeah. to like clear your palate. We'll have to make sure we put a picture of this in the show notes so they can go look out online and see if they can find a bottle for themselves. Absolutely. And be following us on um, Facebook and Instagram. And well, we'll definitely kind of post some previews of it as and well. I believe you got this at Cracker Barrel, right? So maybe if you have a Cracker Barrel next, nearby. I don't know. 
some Cracker Barrel sells all of the same drinks at all of their same locations. But if you're going to try, that's what but you are. And there start. was also a Ramblin' Root Beer, I believe. But this is the Ramblin' Rose Cream Soda. But ask me why I chose it. Besides trying mm. to redeem myself, why else did I choose it? Uh, I thought maybe because it's pink. No, so I've been reading a lot on Instagram. And it seems like there's been a, an overlying theme recently of authenticity. And um, everyone goes in there and they talk about how they really are struggling making sure that they're being authentic on their Instagram feeds and not showing, you know, just their best selves and just their best pictures. They want to make sure to tell people their adventures and, you know, the reality yeah. behind it. And I was thinking about that because, you know, Joanna Gaines has said some of the same thing. Like she had like a whole magazine that was dedicated to being authentic and some other people that are out there, you know, being authentic, being authentic. And for us, I feel like it's pretty easy because on a podcast, it's kind of hard to fake it. Like oh, yeah. we're sitting here having a conversation, you know, you get what you get on the podcast. I was going to say the only thing that changes if they saw the video or our faces when we <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then I realized, you know, we talk about travel fails with a lot of our guests and we have not talked about one of the biggest travel fails with us just you and I. I wish you'd quit drinking that now because you still oh. can't decide what it is. I need I, you you concentrate yeah. on this. Well, actually, mm -hmm. you're going to have to drink it a second when I tell this story. But our biggest travel fail together we have not told. Okay, what is that? So, a couple months ago, we were on a road trip with our family, so we had all four kids, and we were coming home and we had done some bad planning and had planned to celebrate one of our children's birthdays on that day when we had gotten into town. So like at 6 p.m. at night. And so we were going to leave Indiana where we were coming from at about, I don't know, like five in the morning. Yeah. And the night before I said, hey, Ren, we need to get some gas. <laughs> yeah. Now you should take a drink, Ren. Um, <laughs> I said, hey, Ren, you should get some gas. And you said, I'll get it in the morning when you're feeding Ike. Ike at this point is like a couple months old. He's not sleeping oh, through the night. Crap. So I am up all night long with this baby. Not sleeping at all. So as soon as we get in the car at 5 a.m., Ren says, oh, I'll go get gas as we go out and leave for the freeway because he didn't get it when I was feeding the baby. And I said, okay. And then I just went to sleep. So I'm sleeping in the car and we somehow everybody, had forgotten. Everybody was sleeping. It was just me. I was somehow, Ren had forgotten that his brother who we were visiting lives in the country and there is no gas station as you get on the freeway. So, um, well, no, there was, I just, you guys were all asleep. Oh no, 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 Yes. Don't, this is, you should take a drink, Ren. So here's what <laughs> happens. We're driving and then all of a sudden I'm woken up and Renis says we're running out of gas. So I look ahead, there's the exit and I'm waiting for him to pull off on the exit Except he doesn't pull off onto the exit. He pulls over to the side of the road because when he said we're running out of gas, he really meant we ran out of gas. And I said, why? <laughs> happens did to everyone. It does not happen to everybody. And I said, why didn't you pull over at the exit previously? And he said, well, you were asleep and I didn't want to wake you up. I thought that would make you mad if I woke you up. And I thought, yes, because now being on stranded on the side of the highway isn't going to make me mad. So this is where the travel fail part comes in. There are now four children well, in the car. I me as well. I should be able to tell this part. We, no, no. We are <laughs> all woken car. up. We are all woken up from a dead sleep because now we are sitting on the side of the car. And I am livid. I do not like not getting my sleep anyhow. So I'm already cranky because I was up all night. And now we have pulled over to the side of the freeway because we have just ran out of gas because you wouldn't and go get the gas. This all like, happened in two minutes. Like I, I'm a quick mover. Oh, well, because he knew he was in trouble. So <laughs> the kids are like, what's going on? I am like so mad. I, I'm not quite sure what to tell the kids because I just would like to yell at Ren about why you wouldn't get gas. So I turn around and Ren starts to run. Well, you got out of the car first. Yes. So, yeah. So I, I got out of the car. 
And, you know, first off, I didn't stop at the exit before because it was in Indianapolis and I would have to get off and like drive a couple of blocks into town where the next exit, there was a gas station right off the, right, right off the exit. You didn't so, know that. There is yes, no way for you to have known that I did. as we were driving. Uh, yes, because it was like a loves and loves are only on the side of the, out of the deal. So I uh, anyway, <laughs> so I get out of the car knowing that I'm in deep doo doo and uh, <laughs> and and I and I. I didn't know what to do. So I, I, I just started running. I said, you know what? It's about a mile. It says exit one mile. We could see the we, exit. Yeah, we we were close exit. enough to see the exit, but yeah. not near close enough that we could push the car to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I pulled out. I got out. I started I started running because I'm like, man, we got we got to get back by six for this birthday party. No, no. no let's be honest. You started running because you knew I was ticked. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a lot going on in my mind. I mean, uh, if you've ever gone uh, for a jog on the freeway, which you probably haven't, um, there's, there's just a lot of things to think about, uh, at your life at that point. Like, what am I doing? But, uh, so I, I by was, the way, it's below freezing. It's like 31 degrees. He's in yeah. shorts and a jacket and he's running along yeah. the side of the freeway. Yeah. All of a sudden I see some cop <laughs> lights pull over to the side and it's not one, but two cop cars that yes. now pull over to talk to my husband who's running along the side. I'm a big threat. What can I say? So yeah, they, uh, they pull over the, uh, and you know, by the time they're pulled over, they're still like 50 yards away from me. And so I just keep running and uh, I get they're about, 50 yards behind you or in front in fr- of you? In front of me. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying me. like you <laughs> no, were too fast and no, you got around no. the cops. <laughs> no, they were going so fast that by the time they pulled over, so they didn't hit me. They were 50, about 50 yards in front of me. And so I got about 20 feet from the first cop. He gets out and he says, uh, out for a morning jog. And I said, uh, yeah, I uh, actually ran out of gas. And my wife's pretty pissed. So, <laughs> and uh, he goes, oh, okay, well, how about I give you a lift? And I was like, that'd be thank great. Thank you, officer. Yes. So Indiana State Police, uh, thank you very much. You gave me a ride uh, to off the exit. The exit was so much farther than, it, than like, you know how it says in the mirror, the rear mirror, it says uh, objects I'm made closer, closer. Yeah. yeah, that's what it felt like. And it just felt like it kept being the same distance away as I was running. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they took me and, uh, he took me to two different gas stations because they were, you know, gouging on the gas can, uh, cause I didn't have a gas can. So I had to buy a gas can, uh, buy a couple of gallons of gas. So meanwhile, I'm in the car <laughs> with now four awake children that are all like, where's Ren? Why are we Oh, stopped? they saw me get in the cop car. They thought No, was, they didn't see oh, me get in the cop car because <laughs> I was like getting children breakfast and trying to get stuff done so that now we don't have to make another stop for everyone to go to the bathroom and blah, blah, blah. Because our goal was to keep driving as much as we could while they were asleep until we ran out of gas. So I'm feeding the kids and then they're like, well, where's Ren going to come back? And I said, we'll start looking for cop cars because they picked him up. So look at, and they're like, Ren's in a cop car? Like, where, where's Ren rising in the cops? Like, <laughs> so like, then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, look on the other side. He comes up and Ren is, he's back. Oh yeah. I'm back. I got a gas can. Um, police officer, uh, they switched me. They hood handed me off. So the other one took off that took me there, gave me the other one. Um, and, uh, yeah, I filled up the, the tank with gas. He waited for me to make sure it would all run and uh, <laughs> we actually leave the side of the road. Yeah. And, and we did make it to our daughter's birthday party that we had planned that night. Again, yes. bad timing on our part. And we did have to keep pushing it back. So frantically around like noon, I'm trying to figure out if we can really get it back at the right time that I'm texting people and saying, uh, party is postponed. And it was a very was stressful only, day. I think it was only like 30 minutes that we had to push it back, but that was because he's just very skillful driving on the way. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting 
deal. It uh, was pretty funny. And just for my defense. Well, no, no, no. Let's just for my defense, in my Subaru, I easily would have made it to the next exit Okay, well, with no issues. That That's my biggest problem with this story. Is It's not that you were like, I'm sorry, ran out of gas. That was not ever said. What was said instead. I no, no. What was said instead was, don't worry. I only ever have to run out of gas once per car so I know how far I can push it. And yeah. that's my problem. How is that is, is that you can think that you can run out of gas multiple times. This is not something that should happen ever again. So a friend actually reminded me of that this this morning and I was like, that's right. Like that is our biggest travel fail. I was like livid that we were like on the side of the freeway. He was like, I didn't want to wake you up so I didn't pull over and get gas. Like it was it was definitely a long time. It took me probably a good two months before I was no longer angry about that part. But that was our big travel fail. The funny fail. part was is I knew you were upset and that was the only crappy part for me. The rest of it was like, that's kind of funny. And uh, it was, you left it was a four kids in a car and I went got, up. Yeah, but you guys were safe. And I got an escort with two cops, two cops. <laughs> that probably so thought you they, were as idiotic oh, as I did. No, they, they, they did their due diligence. They ran my uh, driver's license. <laughs> um, they asked me if I had any weapons on me, um, all sorts of, you know, fun stuff like that. So it was good times. Good well, times. Yeah. So that's our biggest travel fail. And that's probably the longest drink of the day that you will ever have. So today we have a guest from the great state of Utah. One of my favorite areas to go and visit, uh, especially when we're living back west. And that is southern Utah. Um, and actually, I've stated on the podcast before that one of my one of the places I want to go explore more that I went to one time and totally blew my mind was Capitol Reef National Park. I think it's like the forgotten national park in Utah. Um, out of the five they have, um, most people, when you say Capitol Reef, I'm like, where's that at? Um, they think it's like in the ocean, like the Great Barrier Reef. I agree. <laughs> I lived in Utah for a long time. I don't think I went to any of the national parks there. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. So uh, everybody's heard of Arches. Everybody's heard of um, Zion, Bryce Canyon. Uh, and Canyonlands. Um, but today we have Sean Saunders of Fremont River Guides that is going to join us today. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing Good. great. Yes. We we got snow on the ground. Uh, I'm seeing you guys maybe have a little bit of snow or some cooler weather, but it sounds like you're getting ready for you know, a busy season. That's right. We're here in God's country still praying for snow because we haven't had a lot the last five or six years oh wow <laughs> <laughs> getting this year though we're, we're looking for a good season to get kind of get back on track nice very nice well uh so you guys are in uh, out of tory utah um a booming metropolis of about 300 or so people uh and you guys are kind of stuck if and correct me if i'm wrong but between like capitol reef national park and uh uh, Hanksville, Utah, kind of around that area. Is that right? Wait, I'm going to stop you before you get there. Because for those of us who are not outdoorsy people, I don't know where Capitol Reef is or where Hanksville, Utah is. So <laughs> <laughs> just tell us where you're at in Utah. Yeah, good question. I mean, you know, when people are talking about Southern Utah and the national parks, I mean, they're probably thinking more so St. George and Zion right. or Moab. And uh, honestly, we're right in the middle of that uh, kind of Mighty Five tour that everybody, you know, has seen on television and heard about. Um, Capitol Reef is literally the, the middle national park. So, you know, from one direction going east, we can get to uh, Moab and Arches and Canyonlands in about two hours. And we go the other direction 
you know, about an hour and a half to two hours, we have Bryce Canyon and Zion. So we're, so we've kind of fit right in the middle. So it sounds like you're like in the perfect spot and the perfect little hidden gem of the area. Yeah. And I, it wasn't an accident that we ended up here. We kind of chose this location for several reasons, but, uh, yeah, we're lucky to be where we're at. It really logistically is a great spot to be. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, I've been to Zion's in that, in that area. I've done the Moab and Canyonlands. Um, and you're, you're not too far from one of my favorite places of all time. That's Goblin Valley State Park. And, uh, Love, I just love that area because I feel like every time I've been, it's not overpopulated. Like you go to Zion's and you're getting on buses and there's just a ton of people there. You you go to um, uh, Moab area and, and hit up the Canyonlands and Arches and it's just you're always around people. Um, and the, the first time I went to uh, Capitol Reef National Park, there was a lot of people in RVs that were in the uh, older end of life. Um, but there wasn't a lot else. And uh, the, the rangers there were really excited to talk to us because, you know, we wanted to actually do something rather than just go get out and look at an overlook. Um, and uh, just a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff in the park to do. Uh, but we were only there for a day, so we only did a few things. What I'm excited to talk to you about is some of the things that you guys have to offer, not only in the park, but around the park. So could you maybe tell us some of the things that you guys offer as far as outfitting, uh, outfitting goes and, uh, and talk about your fly fishing shop? Yeah, let's, those are great questions. I mean, one of the things that we did starting out is, um, you know, we've been in the business, uh, you know, the guide service business for a long time, you know, um, you know, 26, 27 years. And what we wanted to do was, you know, not just compete with, you know, our other competitors, but to do something that they're not doing and to be flexible you know have guides that uh you know our approach to things is is no guide knows everything and so there's so much stuff to learn here in southern utah that all of our guides uh you know one might be unique to another um you know some might specialize more in in geology and other others might specialize more in photography and you know that's the fun i think of getting out there and spending time you know, traveling around and talking to people is you just, you find people, you know, these really unique people. And I think that's the, you know, that's part of the fun. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say talking with you, it sounds like, uh, even the, the services you have, you got the ATV tours, you have the Jeep tours, you have hiking tours, photography tours. Um, but it sounds like the kind of business you guys run is I could call you and say, Hey, I want to do, uh, you know, I, w- I want to go to all the, the cool food places in the area. Can you take me, take me, check them out and you'll do it. <laughs> yeah. You know that yeah, I didn't answer your question, but you know, you're exactly right. I mean, we started out uh, primarily as a, as a fly fishing kind of river guide service. And very quickly we, you know, we kind of got into, uh, you know, the economy took a downturn. We, we wanted to stay busy as guides. And so we started, uh, you know, taking a lot of our clients on Jeep tours. And so, you know, now, I mean, we spend the majority of our time uh, in the outdoors, but uh, between fly fishing, UTV and ATV tours, um, uh, Jeep tours into the backcountry, guided hiking, kayaking, shooting experiences, we do all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, so I saw in here, I was looking over at your ATV rentals and things, and there was a sentence that caught my eye. And I know that this has got to be on your website because there has to be a story that goes with it. Here's a sentence. It's a great option for families of five or less people as no one eats dirt riding behind on other machines. There's got to be a story behind that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 
the story is, is we get we get calls every day for people wanting to, uh, you know, wanting to drive their own machines. And the only problem with driving your own machines and taking a guide is you're always going to be following the guide eating dirt. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so we're always in the best seat, but you're not always in the best seat. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so as as a guide, you've done you've done it all. What is your favorite thing to take people on that have never been in the area? Gosh, you know, I think if, if somebody were calling and they wanted to see uh, something unique about Capitol Reef National Park, you know, it's a tough question to answer answer because um, you know, I guess something that you know, I guess hits more close to home for me is I like to get away from where the average tourist goes, and I think that's kind of our forte too. So that being said, I, I tend to like to go between, um, there's an area between Capitol Reef National Park and the Henry Mountains, um, and the Water Pocket Fold is one of my favorite areas, and it's because you have you know this, this monocline uh, that stretches out over 100 miles, and uh, there's so much to see. You get away from everybody. There's a lot of wildlife you know, chances of flash floods. I mean, there's just, during the season, there's just, there's never ending experiences out there. That's awesome. And you say during the season, when is your season? Cause you are in Southern Utah with a little bit more mild weather. Do you guys, is it really great to go in the winter time? Is it great to go in the spring or? Yeah. So Southern Utah, I think everybody thinks it's the desert and it's all like St. George. <laughs> it's really not. St. George is, St. George is hot like Las Vegas, but, uh, most of South Central Utah is actually pretty high plateau country. So you're talking real winter, um, you know, here right now. I mean, it's we're getting snow and it's freezing cold. But, uh, you know, in the summertime in June, July, August, when people think, uh, think it's really hot, you know, we're at 7,000 feet here at our store and where we base a lot of our tours from. And it's, you know, 80, 85, you know, 90 degrees is really hot for us. So uh, temperatures are great. And our season really starts... Um, a, a great time really for families to do, uh, you know, tours in and around the park and, and uh, in Southern Utah would be March and April because you do get away from all the people. That's awesome. Um, you get the mild temperatures. Still, it's pretty warm. Um, cools off a lot at night, but uh, very nice time to be here, March and April and then also in October, November. That's, that's funny that you said that because that's uh, actually when I would always go down to Goblin Valley uh, State Park and then hit out the stuff around it was in uh april because it's when my birthday is and i usually would go down there for a birthday trip uh and then he also eats a lot for his birthday yeah, so we'll talk about restaurants yeah, for his birthday in a second too yeah and then uh in the fall uh and one thing that's so great about that area like you said it's not you know in the desert like in saint george from there it's the thing that was always amazing to me is you get on this highway and on one side you have like this meadow <laughs> And then on the other side, you have uh, this just clay with giant uh, cliffs coming out of the ground. And then beyond that, you can see as the mountains get higher and higher and you get green and then you get snow-capped mountains in the back. back. And it's just this beautiful, like, holy cow, how is there all this scenery in one view? And and it looks all different. Um, But 75 degrees down there is awesome. (laughs) We love it. That's why we're here. We love the high country of Southern Utah. It is. It's it's the perfect world, really. We don't get a ton of snow. I mean, yeah, we get some, but that's the mild part about our weather is is we don't get uh, areas get a lot of snow, but you really your national parks get far less snow. That's yeah. 
So how did you end up there? You're not you're not from Utah, you said. So you're from around there, and you've always known you've wanted to be a guide, or how, did you kind of fall into it? No, that's a good question. I mean, most of my roots come from Utah. I mean, the northern part of the state. I had cousins that lived, uh, you know, in Richfield near some of the national parks, and we would come down to visit them. You know, when I was a really young kid, you know, five, you know, five, six, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, we would come down here a couple of times a year, and so that's kind of how I was exposed to the area at first. But we traveled down here on vacations. You know, I was born in southern Idaho. Uh, I grew up in, and kind of cut my teeth guiding in uh, Sun Valley, you know, the first resort town in the country. And um, so I kind of, I think that's really how I got my start is just uh, my grandfather and my father were big in, in the outdoors. And my, you know, all my family members were. And um, I walked into, uh, really, I started out in the fly fishing business. I had a, I had a little custom fly that I had tied from my grandpa's old fly tying kit my grandmother had given me. And I tied it actually in a bench vise. It wasn't even in a fly tying vise because <laughs> that was gone for some reason. But I tied tied up a few of these flies and I took them into the sporting goods store because I wanted to compare mine to theirs. And the owner of the store looked at my flies and said, hey, you know, where'd you get that? And they said, and I told him, said, well, I, I tied it at home. And he's like, well, would you tie some for us? And I was like, sure. And, and he's like, yeah, I mean, we'll pay you, you know, $7 a dozen. And I was like, okay, how many do you want? And he ordered like nine dozen. I had them done the next day. And <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So anyway, that's how I got it started. And then I had one of the, one of the, the outfitters hired me to be a guide right out of high school. And that's really where I started. My guiding uh, was right out of high school and put me through college. And I've been doing it ever since. I was going to say, so Sun Valley is actually a great place in its own right for fly fishing from what I understand, uh, from, from my friends, uh, back home who love to fish. I'm not big, a, a big fisherman. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I grew up with a dad, uh, who would take us fishing and it got really old really quick because, uh, we would catch nothing and he would catch unlimited, uh, trout. And, uh, it just, it, it just got really, really boring for me. And I understand why, you know, a lot of my friends who drink, they, it's like, ah, fishing is a chance to go get drunk. I can understand, like, maybe I'd enjoy it more if I drank, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but those who do and are really good at it are actually those who, who are really good at drinking or those who are really no, good at fishing. No, those who are really good at fishing. It's, it's an actual sport and, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I wish I had the ability to have that patience. Uh, if I were to get into fishing, I think fly fishing is the one that I'd want to do because you're doing, there's more action to it. You're not just sitting there, you know, holding onto a pole. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, when it comes to fly fishing, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody else catching all the fish and you're catching none of them. <laughs> That'll make you quit quicker than anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was I was thinking when you were talking there that, uh, you know, part of the passion of being an outfitter and a guide and having an outdoor store in southern Utah is, you know, when we first came here, um, which really wasn't that long ago. I mean, it was you know, about 20 years ago, but there, there were some outfitters that were kind of more part-time guides and didn't specialize in really anything, but they, you know, they were kind of doing it, you know, on the side with other jobs. And, you know, we came in and, and, and were serious guides and we took pride in what we offered. And, you know, the fact that we, um, we have these families that come in, uh, in the springtime, March and April and May, and, you know, they're doing their spring breaks and, uh, us being able to offer, for the amount of uh, activities that we do, I think it, it just it just goes to show what really you can do here. You know, between 
going on a UTV tour or going on a world-class hike and seeing scenery like you can't see anywhere in the world, um, going fly fishing, you know, uh, kayaking. I mean, there's there's fantastic whitewater near Moab. I mean, there's tons of stuff. Capitol Reef, though, um, really unique to any of the other parks because, um, number one, Capitol Reef is actually bigger uh, in area than Bryce and Zion National Parks put together. So a lot of backcountry that can be seen you know, either with guides or with some know-how um, and, and a four-wheel drive vehicle, you really can have some fun out here. I was going to say, when, when we went to Capitol, I've driven through Capitol Reef more than I've actually been there to visit. Um, and it's literally, it seems like there's one road that goes, the highway, I believe it's 70, that goes through it. And then uh, that's it. <laughs> I mean, uh, and then everything else yeah. is backcountry, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got you have Highway 70 on the north end. You have Highway 24 that goes right through the middle of it. But, uh, you know, really, the Henry Mountains were, were the last mountain range mapped in the lower 48 states, which kind of, you know, helps us kind of think about, you know, how, how rural it is and how uh, remote it is. Um, you know, Butch Cassidy, um, you know, Sundance Kid back in the day, I mean, when they were robbing trains and, and when they were in serious trouble, I mean, they weren't they weren't trying to hide out in the Green River up by Dutch John. I mean, they were coming to Southern Utah in the canyons, the Horseshoe Canyon, out by you know in the east or western edge of of uh, Canyonlands National Park. I mean, that was when they were in serious trouble. And you know, once they got out in there, nobody could find them because it was like a a death defying you know horse ride even to get down into where they were where they were going so yeah pretty incredible spot yeah and and you know you brought up butch cassidy and the sundance the sundance kid um and those i mean those you're up out west out here you still hear about it but out you grew up out west and like butch cassidy and the sundance kid billy the kid all that stuff that's like huge part of the lore of the west and um you always hear about robber's roost uh and i always thought that was down in the escalante area farther south but that's actually in the Capitol Reef area. Is that correct? Yeah, it's actually it's actually in the uh, western edge of Canyonlands National Park, and and the Robbers Roost is is an incredibly remote area. Um, you know, dry. You can actually take um, some four wheel driving routes out there now and get fairly close, and then you know hike down into where the, there are some remnants of where they used to where they used to hide out and some things that were left over. Um, but yeah, it's actually, it's in Wayne County, which is where Capitol Reef is located. Okay. That's, and that, and that's the thing like th- that right there. If I, uh, not if, when we come out and we're going to hunt you down and be like, Hey, we're here. Uh, we want to go see some stuff. That's the stuff that's really cool to me is that historical aspect of man. What was it like, you know, being a, a train robber or a stagecoach robber and then coming here and hiding out and knowing you know what? Nobody's going to come in here. No law enforcement's going to come in here because we have them from all sides. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how we want to do what the outlaws did. We want to be <laughs> Indians again. And yeah. I don't know what it is about us, but I, I'm like that too. Like I, I want to, I, I want to have a big long ponytail and, and, and ride a horse. <laughs> right. Seriously. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so I, you know, we're looking at your website and, uh, this picture right here is just mind blowing. Uh, it's beautiful and kind of gives a really. He, you want He can't see the picture. I know. And neither can our listeners. I know. So I'm gonna tell them go to the web. <laughs> go to the website and check out. They have their slider with the pictures, and and you'll see the contrast of this river that goes through the little valley with greenery all about it, and it's surrounded by these cliffs of of 
uh, red, burnt orange color, and it's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Is it all like that? Yeah. Like the whole area, or is it just like this particular area? You know, it's 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 when you when you've seen all of the national parks, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you've seen one Red Rock, you've seen them all," and, and somewhat that is true because there is a little bit of Red Rock in all the national parks. However, the you know, and there are some similarity, you know, some similar geological formations, but really all the parks are really unique to to the others, and so. You know, you really got to see all of them because not one of them is, is uh, you know, one you'd want to miss. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Red Rocks are kind of mesmerizing. And, you know, you get into the Navajo sandstone and some of the, you know, the lighter colored rocks. Uh, it's what I think people really draws people here. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like you said, the formations. I know there's hoodoos throughout um, all the, pretty much all the national parks down there uh, in southern Utah. Um you know, one of the hikes that I, I did while I was there was the goosenecks there inside Capitol Reef. And and that was just amazing. And I've I've hiked in I've hiked in Arches, I've hiked in Canyonlands, I've hiked in Zion. I haven't been to Bryce yet. But uh that hike, that goosenecks hike alone for me was one of the better hikes that I've done. Um I mean I, I did Angel's Landing and that was cool. I've done a couple times, but I, I would do that. I'm I salivate when I think about the goosenecks because I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I just love when people call me and and they say, "Hey, I want to do a guided hike, and I want you to take me to you know your favorite." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I don't really have a favorite. There's just so many cool places to go. You really have to ask them questions. Well, where do you, what do you want to see? Are you claustrophobic? Well, then we don't want to go do the slot canyons. You know, then I mean, there's just there's just limitless you know world class hikes within you know, a half an hour. Now that's another great thing is, is as a guide, we're never going to know all of the canyons. I mean, this is impossible. Yeah. I mean, we're out there every day. And I, I mean, amongst our guides, we're talking all the time about all these places we want to go because we'll never see them all in our lifetime. Yeah. There's so many down there and there's, they're hidden. Like you wouldn't even know they're there and you'll walk around the corner. I mean, that's uh, you know, Goblin Valley state park uh, wasn't discovered until like 1905 or something like that. And it was because some rancher's cow got out and they went out looking for it and they went around the corner and then there's this valley of these hoodoos and stuff everywhere. And uh, th- there's just so much down there. Uh, that whole, you know, San Rafael swell. I, I've been there uh, 12 times, spending like a week at a time down there and I've not even touched the surface of what's there. And that's a small area compared to what you're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, Capital Reef area. You know, the park itself, uh, if I remember correctly, I believe it's 241,000 acres. And with the surrounding area, I mean, it just it feels like, you know, two million acres. I mean, the Escalante Grand Staircase, you know, is, is uh, you know, well over a million uh, acres. I mean, there's just so much to see. You could never you could never see the half of it. Let's get to uh, the the aspect of what you get when you come and you do a tour with you. So. What is it like somebody like me calls you and says, my husband really loves to be outdoors. We're going to come and do a guide somehow, but I'm not real outdoorsy. What's something that is like a nice, is there something that's nice medium? Is it all for like extremists or is it great for beginners, advanced, intermediate? And what would you recommend? Great, Yeah, great question. I mean, one of our most popular tours is our Jeep tour to um, Cathedral Valley. Cathedral Valley is, uh, 
it has monoliths, um, and these monoliths are a lot what, like you would see in uh, um, in Arizona. Yeah, um, and then, but in that particular tour, you're going to have short hikes. So you might get out and take a you know a half mile hike out to an overlook, um, and it's pretty flat ground. I mean, there there's places where you could do overnight backpacking if you wanted from there. So really, there's something for me, for everybody there. But if you're just kind of the you know, the average, you know, you don't want to put in too much hiking and you want to see some scenery and you want to get away from people. You know, Cathedral Valley is one of our most popular tours. That's awesome. Ren does mention often that I like to hike in fashion flip-flops, <laughs> which is not completely true, although I have done a six-mile hike in flip-flops completely yeah. on accident. <laughs> but you mentioned slot canyons, too. Now, slot canyons I've heard a lot about, and I've heard I've seen gorgeous pictures of it. That's a little bit more advanced would you say or is it just you really need a guide or go out and explore yeah both yeah both i mean the, the main reason why i i don't when people call me and say hey i want to go uh i want to go check out some slot cannons can you tell me where to go and i just flat out tell them no i'm not going to tell you where to go because <laughs> slot cannons are really dangerous yeah um and so yeah we'll, we'll give them some ideas of where there are slot cannons but we're not going to give them recommendations on you know when they should go and how they should avoid you know um, flash floods, um, as we can kind of get ourselves in, in into trouble if people, you know, f don't don't study up on it. So having a guide definitely in a slot canyon is a must. Um, and what makes it extreme is, is in a slot canyon, you have a lot of places where you'll have big rocks or elevation changes, sand, um, tree branches, and you know, all kinds of stuff that make it to where you have to repel. Some sometimes you have to repel, you know, 100 feet, 50 feet, you know, 150 feet. Um, you know, you might have seven or eight rappels to go through one slot canyon, which makes that not, you know, not for the average person. But for somebody who really wants to get out and explore, I mean, there's just countless uh, slot canyons uh, for those people. Well, and then if you're not from the area, you know, it doesn't take a lot of rain to ruin an experience uh, in a slot canyon. I mean, you could get killed real quickly uh, with a little bit of rain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a slot canyon... Uh, truly is is uh, so narrow that you actually have to turn sideways to get into it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and what forms a slot canyon is you have these seams uh, in the in the geology to where um, uh, you know the water has eroded these little mini canyons, and, and because it's all surrounded by uh, rock and rock doesn't absorb any water, so you, I actually uh, know a, another guide who um, is not in in the business anymore but he had an accident with a a group of uh, uh of four it was a family from california and two of the four ended up dying in the, and they all could have died in the slot canyon and it was from a tenth of an inch of rain so it doesn't That's, take much yeah does not take scary. much at all yeah my fashion flip-flops and i will not be going in a slot canyon in case well, you wanted to know <laughs> you're right but you can wear you can wear you know nice because a lot of them will have like standing water uh, my first slot canyon experience was in Goblin Valley uh, or just outside of Goblin Valley, a little wild horse canyon, and yeah. uh, it was way steep. So, um, you know, there's people taking off their shorts and, and going to their underwear through there. So were you going to say I could wear my nice shoes there? No, I was going to say you could wear some flip-flops, like or not flip-flops, but sandals, Oh, okay. like Tevas <laughs> or something, and be yeah. okay. <laughs> I do about everything in, in flip-flops, but... Sometimes you can't do everything. Exactly. <laughs> well, so let's let's move on to one of my favorite things to talk about, as always, and that is food. food. So one of the things I love about your website is you do have 
resources and things to, um, that are around. So you got your lodging, your dining, uh, you got the fish report, uh, camping areas around the area, uh, even golf, which who doesn't love to golf? I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> but food, uh, so what, what kind of food places? I mean, I know Tory, Utah, uh, is a smaller town, so there's probably a couple of really good, you know, uh, lovingly when I say this hole in the wall type restaurants <laughs> to eat at and uh and then I'm sure there's some like in the surrounding area Wh- what are some places that uh you know I'm coming through there this summer uh where would I find the best burger in town uh where would I find where do the, the locals best steak? eat where's yeah. the good yeah, stuff yeah great great question I mean if I'm going somewhere where I haven't been I might just hire a guide just so I can find out where the good food is and where the bad food is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So if nothing else, give us a call and we'll take you out on the guide trip. We'll tell you where all the where all the grease pits are and where what to avoid. But no, there's there's great food here. We actually have some world class restaurants in areas where you wouldn't think there'd even be a restaurant. But you've got the Cafe Diablo in Torrey um, has been an eclectic restaurant for you know 25 years. Um, the old chef, you know, he's sold the restaurant to a new owner, but uh, you know, the, the Cafe Diablo is great. You've got the Broken Spur, you know, fantastic steak. We're not talking like, like you know, mom and pop's diner. It's, it's actually, you know, very well-prepared food. And um, you've got my favorite was the Hell's Backbone Grill in Boulder, um, oh. which is close to the, yeah, Hell's Backbone Grill. I mean, it's it, we actually plan our tours around finishing up so we can eat at the Hell's Backbone Grill. <laughs> you, you, just, you just hit a nerve. Uh, you just brought up Boulder, Utah, uh, and I have a friend from Boulder, Utah, uh, and I remember when we first met, and he's like, yeah, I'm from Boulder, Utah, and everybody was like, you mean Boulder, Colorado, and he said, no, Boulder, Utah, um, and that's even smaller than Tory, from what I understand. Uh, yeah, he had some great phrases, uh, like bull butter. I guess that was the same as bull crap, because uh, you can't make butter, <laughs> butter from bulls, uh, but uh, yeah, one of my favorite favorite guys ever but yeah boulder utah it's that that's not too far from you did he tell boulder, you about yeah. hell's backbone though no he did not tell me about hell's backbone then he's so not I'll a good him, friend i'll be giving him a phone call <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> yeah there's some great food i mean it, you you know in all the national parks i mean you get over to zion you've got the spotted dog i mean there's just so many cool places and your guides are going to know where all the good food is for sure yeah well that's one of our awesome. former guests uh was raised tavern up in uh, Green River, um, yeah. and uh, that was that was one of the places we'd always hit up. So uh, they came on and talked to us, and that was that was fun talking to them. But uh, again, it's it's the food, and and you know, like you said, uh, you would hire a guide just to find the right food. There's nothing worse than going on an all day hike and coming back and, and not f- being able to get a nice giant steak that is just <laughs> you know, uh, McDonald's just doesn't cut it at that point. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but if you're a vegetarian, I, I know a far, a far fewer spots, but there's some <laughs> great places for vegetarians out there, too. Yeah, there is. There is. <laughs> no, well, that, that's one of the, the, the nice things about the area that you guys are in is, um, you know, like talking with Ray's Tavern, um, talking with you, and just the willingness to serve those who are coming and saying, hey, you want you want this? Uh, you know, Ray's Tavern was straight out uh, – you know, Cameron was a vegetarian and she was like, you know what? We have some things, but if you wanted something specific, we'll run across to the store and our chef will make it for you. Um, 
that's you know it kind of goes along the lines of you know what you're willing to do hey give us a call uh you're looking for something that's a little different something very specific we, yeah we it's, it's yeah. not on our website but you want to go see uh you know s- some of the hideouts or some of the cool stuff about the history of the area when it comes to the outlaws we'll, we'll get you covered yep i i you know it's funny i i sit here and think about you know when i plan vacations especially as like a blue collar person like i am i'm always trying to figure out ways to save some money but there's a few things that i don't save money on and that's uh, food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never try and save money when I'm trying to find a horseback guide because you, you don't want to go with second best horseback riding guide. Yeah. You want to go with that, the best canyon guide you can find because, you know, those things can be dangerous. But yeah, you want to have some good guides for those three things. That is awesome. Well, I, I'm excited for uh, people to hear this and, and really learn a little bit more about that central southern Utah area uh, and the things that are available to them. Uh, make sure you reach out to Fremont River Guides and uh, get t- get yourself taken care of. And if you've not been to that area of of the country, y- you need to you need to put that on your list. I do. I lived in Utah for almost eight years, and I think I went. I've gone through Moab, and I've gone through St. George, and I've gone down and cut through Beaver, Utah, and I don't think I have ever made it in between that little triangle. Yeah, where Goblin Valley is. There. <laughs> there are not a lot of people that come with one or two days you know, to try and see the national parks. But, you know, it, it takes about five to seven days to see all of them. Uh, but, man, it's the best vacation on the planet for a week's vacation. For sure. For it sure. sounds awesome. Well, we got to ask you the gone tripping questions. All there's, right. There's three of them. They get personal. Yes. The first one is where is the favorite favorite place that you've traveled? Wow. Um, that's tough. I mean, like I said, I mean, I've, been, I've been to a lot of places. Um Gosh, you know, I, I love to go uh, do things around the saltwater. Uh, I like the Bahamas. I like Belize. But honestly, if I had to, you know, pick my favorite place on the planet, I, I hate to say it because I live here, but I love southern Utah. I mean, there's just so <laughs> many cool places here. And that's I why you chose it. I got to say southern Utah, really. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> when I was in college, I thought about moving down there uh, to, to uh, Cedar City area. Just because it puts you in, the, in the, a spot where you can go and see so many cool things, and you spend a lifetime and never see everything. I love it. I mean, I could go, I you know, go vacation somewhere else, and you know, I come home and I'm like, wow, I, I live here. I'm I mean, still on really vacation. Cool <laughs> yeah. Well, so so following up with that, so uh, you're in a different situation than most of our guests in the fact that uh, not only um, have you probably had these fails, but you've had fails. Uh, in your guide, you know, with other people on their trips. So uh, here's the the bottom line is every trip you're going to have some kind of a fail. Uh, but it's never going to go as it's supposed to be planned. Yeah, but it also almost makes the trip half the time better when it doesn't go the way that you have it planned out in your mind. So what is the biggest fail that you've had uh, on when, you, when you've been traveling? <laughs> well, I... I have quite a few, but one that I'm really thinking about right now was actually uh, kind of towards the end of a trip to the Bahamas, and uh, it's it's kind of funny because luckily it wasn't me who did it. But so in the Bahamas, you're you're pretty much landlocked, and you better be friends with everybody. You know all the locals. You ain't getting off the island, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, you better make sure that all your clients tip their guides because the guides are going to show up at the airport before the plane gets there and make sure that you get your tip to your guide. (laughs) 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 We have the app and we were getting ready. We were getting ready to take Bahamas Air from one of the out islands to leave from our our week's uh, vacation. And and the guide came to the airport. He's like, hey, man, you forgot my tip. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, we were afraid he was going to commandeer the you know, the pilot of the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> Very right. cool. And the last contraband question is, is where is one place that's left on your bucket list? Somewhere that you have been wanting to go, but just haven't made it to yet. Wow. There's, uh, I would say probably the top of my bucket list is going to be Kamchatka in Russia. Oh, Ooh. really? No one said yep. Russia yeah. yet. No, yep. did Russia, not see that coming. Kamchatka is- place i would like to go why there why that spot in russia well there's uh you know I mean, there's a lot of things that i like to do but there's some incredibly uh good fly fishing actually in kamchatka and okay. it's like alaska was 30 years ago so yeah that's where <laughs> i want to go i have to ask so your season is like nice in march and april and in the fall when is it a good fly fishing season in russia do you have like two weeks wow. and that's it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be a different time. It's going to be like, uh, if I remember right, I think it's going to be February, uh, January, February. Uh, right now, we're hitting the tail end. Yeah. yeah. So I guess you have to wait till next year. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have seven kids. I might be waiting about seven uh, years. That, that's true. You don't have to leave them at home. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get to come. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been awesome having you on and we appreciate your time. Uh, make sure you guys go check out uh, FremontRiverGuides.com uh, and see what the, what they're all about. Don't be afraid to give uh, Sean a call and and ask him, hey, what 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 can we do when we come out? And they'll get you taken care of. Yep, we'd love to see you guys here. We're we're here to answer questions, and we've got a great website. You know, shoot us off an email, and you know, kind of get the ball rolling, and uh, you know, plan ahead because uh, Southern Utah is a popular place, and um, you know, you, availability comes with planning a, a little further ahead, and. Uh, I would encourage everybody to do that. But yeah, FremontRiverGuides.com, and you know we uh, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, thank you so much, Sean, for coming thank on. Thank you. Yeah, bye bye. I am gone tripping. Don't forget to visit the website for show notes at GonTrippinPodcast.com, and tag us with your favorite travel and adventure pictures on Instagram using the hashtag GonTrippin' or at GonTrippinPodcast. Subscribe on any of your favorite podcast listening apps and make every trip an adventure. GonTrippin', my wagoneer and I, GonTrippin', reading the road signs, GonTrippin', one playlist at a time, GonTrippin', odometer's ticking. I'm doing a Red Bull sipping I'm a road warrior on a mission You won't find me just sitting home wishing Cause I, I, I am gone